Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer and Tim Hyde here from Blue and Gold with our Wednesday night live show talking all things Notre Dame football and has some recruiting discussions tonight as well. Mr. Hyde, how the heck are you? How's your week been, man? You had a great week, great weekend, great football game. Irish are uh, one game over 500, huh? How nice is that after five games? So we have arrived in the Notre Dame world, but uh, no, here we go. Let's get on a roll, keep this thing going, and get ready for Mr. Dabo coming to town. That's that's the I next mean, up. This Stanford game, I mean, this is the game. You know, like this is the one, right, Tim? Okay. Yeah, yeah, better be the one they put up 40 and uh, <laughs> and just get out there and uh, get your boy Steve Angeli two snaps in the end of the fourth quarter. That's got to be the goal. But uh, no, Notre Dame, just come out and just get ready to roll and just keep this thing going. I'm teasing because I know so many games this oh, season. Man. It's like, all right, this is the game where it's the turning point. And uh, I'm like, oh, maybe it's it's just it's kind of every week at this point is my thought because you have no margin for error, really. Um, so um, Notre Dame should beat up what Stanford's one and four. Um, yeah, some heartbreaking losses are, are one and four this season. Um, interestingly enough, they're also one and four against the spread, and Notre Dame is three and two against the spread. Um, and we will kind of get to the game itself in a little bit. But um, please do go ahead and hit the thumbs up on this video. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel for more Notre Dame football and recruiting content. Had a couple good videos today, um, or I should say on Wednesday, depending on when you're watching this. Oh, I'm about to sneeze. All right, we're good. Sorry. I always wonder when you're watching TV, you never see people sneeze on there. You know, you're watching SportsCenter or whatever. They're disciplined. I almost did there, um, but held, held it off. Um, yeah, had a couple of good YouTube videos uh, talking recruiting with Darren Pritchett. Um, and uh, Thursday, we'll have Marcus Freeman press conference and, and Tyler Horka's reaction. Uh, and then Friday, final thoughts, observations, and prediction for the game. Saturday night, Tim, you ready for a, a late night? Oh, yeah, those are the best ones. Kids are in bed. You get all day long to watch college football and enjoy a late night. So nothing better, right? And then Sunday, Mike Goolsby and I will be live. So, yeah, we, we have you covered our Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Um, and if uh, you have a question for us or anything you want us to discuss, drop Super Chat. We'll get to it right away. And last item, blueandgold.com promotion, $10 until August 31st, 2023. So sign up today. It's just $10 of access. Uh, and you get access until uh, or I should say through August 31st, next to the start of next football season. So a deal that you'll definitely want to check out. Um, Tim, we'll, we'll go to the best thing we saw in the past week. And and Mr. Hyde, I will uh, go to you first. Oh, I sent you two. What's the first pick? You sent me two? I, sent I got this one. one. I didn't know there was another one. Well, there's the other Well, We'll, we'll, we'll the get to the other one. one. I know really? you can find that second one in a heartbeat. But this one was just great. Number one. It's nice to see Mayor up there. He made the, you know, PFF, if anyone knows, you know, they always come out once a week with their All-American team of, of that weekend's game. So Mayor made it this week, which was awesome to see. Unbelievable grade. He's been up there a ton, you know, as the highest graded player, you know, for Notre Dame in a couple games. But uh, he's having an amazing season. It's 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 crazy what, what he is doing. And then the second one I just sent you was, I just happened to see that here today was, this week's cover of Blue and Gold Illustrated, which oh, that's is an right. unbelievable picture of uh, that. Uh, it's so good. It's a that's a beautiful one, but a great picture of Mayor, you know, scoring that nice touchdown from uh, that was the 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 deep crosser he had with Pine there. But uh, I love that, and it was just a way to you know start this show up talking about the the team's MVP through five games, and um, you know, he's premier tight end. Yeah, the, yeah, this picture is awesome. Look at that. I just love that picture. Going down there, stretching out, beautiful pass. That was the deep crosser down there to uh, from Pine to Mayor. It was awesome. But one thing with Mayor, 
his stats. Do you know he is he's he's the only tight end in the top 80. Top I just think it's 75 or 80 I saw nationally in receptions this year. The only the only tight end. People want to talk about all, you know, Bowers. How many times do you hear about Brock Bowers and great player, don't get me wrong, but Mayer is having an insane football season right now. He's number he's in the top 20 in receiving, the only tight end like I said in the I think it's the top 75 or 80 in the entire country. Which shows you there's a lot of wide receivers out there, Mike. Notre Dame uh, needs to get a couple, right? I think that's the biggest thing when you look at those stats. But uh, he has definitely got to be the odds-on favorite to win the Mackey Award. And I said on the message board, if he does not win the Mackey Award and he keeps having this season, after which I thought Julian Love lost out of the Thorpe in 18. And I still would like to see an investigation how Quentin Nelson did not win the Outland in 2017. Absolute sham. But if Mayor does not win the Mackey aware, Notre Dame just needs to pull out of awards the rest of the, you know, their uh, history and just say we're done and just hand out their own. Right. But uh, I mean, it's five games in. Let's, we'll, we'll see. He's got to, hey, who is, he is the offense, Mike. He is the offense. We're going to talk about this until USC. I mean, 11 catches, 22 completions in the game. 50% of the offense is going to a 260 pound man child at tight end. He is a, he's a dude. And that's including the Cal game. Don't forget, he only had ten yards in the Cal game, even though he had the you know the big uh, clinching tight end. But uh, he's having a hell of a season, and he's just fun to talk about. Yeah, that quarterback of his ain't too bad either. Hey, he's I, I'm looking forward to chatting about him, and we're gonna have a good little chit chat about some QB play. Which at Notre Dame, there's nothing better to talk about. <laughs> uh, my best thing uh, of the week. I thought this tweet from Dre Brown, um, Notre. Uh, Notre Dame assistant coach helps out with the defensive backs and recruiting um, says you come to Notre Dame for games like this. I mean, look at this, this picture. I mean, everyone I talked to who was there, the recruits, you know, folks at Notre Dame, Mark Streaming himself thought that this was just such an outstanding atmosphere for him. talked about in his post-game press conference really was like a home away from home for the Irish in this contest. The atmosphere again was just incredible for this one uh we are seven minutes in and we don't have a youtube comment yet if i don't know if i disabled youtube comments you got people watching um so please comment um if, if you're with us live otherwise i'll have to go check to see if i messed something up um but uh with that being said um tim uh, your first, and I'm checking, you still got nothing, so I'm gonna have to go look at that. Uh, refresh, okay, Mike. all right, there, there we, we go. go, hit refresh. There we go. All right, Milton fans says, comment, Burt Reynolds, love it. In here. Um, and uh, Jake Hart says, Tim's shirt looks good, yeah. Three, hey, three, three and oh, Mike, with the Wednesday green, so we're keeping it rocking. Do you wear that, that, that same shirt every week now? Yeah, that's been the comment on the message board is every week, make sure Tim wears green. It's because someone mentioned it one time and now it's like the thing. So here we come. All right. I hadn't noticed that, but. Uh... Tim is in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Close. It feels like it. It feels like it. No, it's uh, my lovely mother-in-law. So uh, I come over here and I uh, hang out on Wednesday nights. Okay, Tim. So well, th this first topic and folks, if you're with us live, uh, or watch it back. Please do hit the thumbs up if you have anything you want us to um, address and talk about. Please do drop a super chat. We'll get to it. Um, but Tim, I have no idea where you're going to go with this. This is something that you sent me. Something along the lines of oh, okay. Drew Pine, Tommy Reese narratives. Why don't you tell us what what whatever goes on in the mind of Tim High? That's oh, a, just an interesting place to be. So I'm curious where you're <laughs> where you're going with this one. Well, you know what? It's like. You know, obviously Pines get a lot of hype, you know, some great articles at Blue and Gold, you know, you know, this, you know, this past week after the football game, because this has been the thing since those first, you know, we keep talking about those first five drives, those first quarter and that first drive in Cal, which were just abysmal from Drew Pine. You're seeing that and you're like, oh my God, is Notre Dame going to win two games? Are they going to battle Charlie Weiss in the infamous, you know, 2007, just brutal football season. And then Pine got rolling, right? He got rolling. They have a nice win against Cal, you know, really nice win against Cal, really good football team. They are, you know, and they got a heck of a quarterback and then you got to go on the road. You go on the road and Pine just starts slinging it all over the place. Yeah. I, I know we pounded, you know, UNC, you know, defense and stuff like that, but the very next week UNC holds Vod Tech to 10 points. 
you know, not that Vod Tech's some stellar, but you could see UNC has dudes and they hold a heck of a football team. So they've gotten better and they just won again this week and they're right on the cusp of being a top 25 football team. Then you have a bye. And as we're talking about, Mike, every week is the biggie, right? Cal was big because he hadn't won a football game yet. UNC's big because they got a future NFL football quarterback who is just a stud. You're going on the road. You don't know what Pine's going to do. Is those last three quarters against Cal reality? And sure enough, it was. Then you get a bye. BYU's big because they're ranked. That's a good football team. I've, you know, I've watched that game a handful of times now. That's a really good football team that Notre Dame played outstanding over four quarters. And where I'm going with is I started looking at some stats. There was a stat cut came out. I think it was Pete Sampson of The Athletic posted, uh, you know, if the season ended today, Drew Pine has the record for passing efficiency and completion percentage for a season. He would break Jimmy Clausen's. Jimmy Clausen had an unbelievable 2009. And then I started looking at, well, you know, all right, boom. Let, let's see where Pine is in his career, right? So I just went with guys that have thrown, you know, because he's over 100 passes now. And check this out, Mike. Here's a little Tommy Reese. People want to jump on Tommy Reese. The all, the five best completion percentages in the history of Notre Dame football. Number one, Drew Pine, completion percentage. You know, I, guys over 100 passes. Jack Cohn, number two for his one season, right? And number three is that guy everyone loves to hate and love somewhere, right? Ian Book. All quarterbacks coached by Tommy Reese. I just found that interesting, busting out the old uh, Notre Dame record book this morning. Jimmy Clausen's number four, and Kevin McDougal's number five. Do you think that's something to do with Tommy Reese, or do you think that's something to do with just, I mean, what, 20 years ago, Tim, quarterbacks completing over 50% of their passes, that was good. It's just a different game now. True. So much more quick game for throwing the ball. So do you think that's a, a big reason for that? Oh, oh, without a doubt that, you know, the quick game Ian, you know, Ian, Ian book was really good. Quick game. Correct. He was really good. Jack Cone, when they got rolling with Jack Cone last year, it was tempo, the, the quick game, the RPO game. Jack Cone is really good faking that dive and hitting those deep out routes to Austin and Lindsay and, and those guys last year. Really good. But I just, you know what, you know, whatever I, I found that interesting because Notre Dame has a lot of good quarterbacks. Brady Quinn's not in the top five, right? So obviously they more deep balls because he had some great wide also receivers. Played a lot more, you know, than true, than true. And he had a horrible freshman year. Mike Goolsby could talk about that. I, don't, I think I think he was forty percent is you know when he got freshman snaps. A freshman to a junior, night and day. Don't get me wrong there. I've, of yeah. course I understand that. But just talking about the great quarterbacks, even Lou Holtz, they're quarterbacks. But Lou Holtz, you know, he didn't chuck it twenty five times. So you could go twelve for seventeen in a game, and you're setting records during the during the whole cheers. So I, I'm a little surprised Rick Meyer wasn't up there. You know, Paulus threw a ton of passes over his career. So not, you know, a billion deep balls back in those days. I just found that interesting. Sure. The game has changed. It's quicker, but you're also throwing more, which leads, you know, Lou Holtz always used to say, the more you throw, you know, it's an incompletion, a sack, a tip ball interception. There's more bad comes when you throw than good, you know, when you really break it down. So, I just found that interesting. A little tip of the cap to Tommy Reese, who just gets, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't have Tommy Reese to sell. He and I aren't hanging out playing chess together. (laughs) And it's like, that's funny because I have this pulled up and it has, it has a phone number on there for you to bonus. You see, I wonder if you call, you know, this number, what actually happens. I can't, I can't imagine Tommy Reese is sitting around. I I don't even know why they put the phone numbers on the website. Those, Yeah. Those are going right to a data bank, which one of those recruiting guys in the office is answering about three or four times a day to check messages for him. But uh, no, I mean, Tommy Reese has been there. Obviously he was a player. He's Brian Kelly. I think he's always going to be pegged as Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, one in the same, so to speak. And you're kind of seeing that narrative take place with the, the offense this year that, oh, it's still Brian Kelly and things of that nature, which is completely different. I mean, he's using more motion shifts. He's doing way different stuff than they've done the last few years. But um, it just, you know, I just want to give him a little, you know, virtual high five. And he's got some dudes up there that have played. And if Pine keeps this going with this completion percentage, especially the the efficiency, the one season efficiency, how, you know, Jimmy Clausen, Jimmy Clausen, I think, was 162. Oh, here it is right here. Yeah, 161 and Pine's at 167 right now, which is which is amazing. 
And uh, I don't know. I just found that intro because I had no idea. I hadn't looked at the Notre Dame record book in ages. And I was like, holy moly, there's three straight Reese quarterbacks. One, two, three. So Pines had three starts, three and oh. And I would, it was the first quarter, it was really the first quarter against Cal that was terrible. And then he, he's been, I think he's been pretty yeah. darn good since. And then you're playing Stanford, you're playing UNLV, and then at Syracuse. I think we'll see more of the same good, consistent, you yeah. know, 65 plus completion percentage, somewhere in 200 to 20, excuse me, 200 to 250 yards, two to four touchdowns a game. I'd say over the next three games might have one, maybe two turnovers, right? Whether it be a sack or a pick. So I think he's going, and then he's probably going to be six and zero as a starter. Syracuse is going to be really tricky. Notre Dame should roll over Stanford and UNLV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to discredit um, the, you know, the orange orangemen. Is that what they're called? Orangemen. Syracuse orangemen. Orange. Yeah, you don't want to discount the Cuse, but again, should be six and zero. And then there's the Clemson game. Clemson's defense, Tim, is one of the best in the country, correct? Outside of the Wake Forest game, yes. <laughs> so it's like I, I, stop, can, stop I, can see, I can just see the group text now in that Clemson game. Oh. If Pine's struggling, oh, Tim and Goolsby are all going to be all over him. Put it in jelly. But it's, it's like, but it's just like, Tim, it, if, he's, if he's not great against Clemson, I don't think it's going to be – solely on him so it's just like i don't know i don't know that game yeah i mean let's just get to that i mean let's get to that game can we just hurry up and get to that game it's like come on it's a couple weeks away i think the haters are just going to be quiet for a little bit and then they're just going to pop up you know for for closing game Uh, but you know it's you know what you know but he's got three more games he's got three more games to keep improving to keep this rhythm going and um yeah clemson's got a great front i mean clemson's defense is outstanding you know, they're that's going to be a great football game. I mean, they're going to be playing with the third, fourth, fifth ranked team in the country. So, of course, they're bringing some dudes in there and they're not, you know, they lost that classic game in during the COVID year in 2020. So they're going to be angry, hyped up, ready to roll. It's going to be a classic football game. But Notre Dame coming in at home, night game, six games in a row, an improved, you know, offense with Drew Pine. The efficiency keeps clicking what it is. Clemson's going to have to obviously cover all that, defend that stuff. You still got Michael Mayer. The key in that game, Mike, is going to be, I already know what we're going to be talking about is those DBs and Notre Dame's wide receivers. They're going to, I mean, Tommy Reese better be scheming now, starting to figure out how to get some of these dudes open because they're just going to be playing press, man. Their front four is all getting drafted just like it did in 2018 when they played ND in the playoff game. They're, uh, They're good. They're a bunch of freaks up there. Yeah, you say that now. That's what we'll be talking about, but it'll really just be. But he's got to play. He's still a quarterback. You can't go out. I mean, if if he goes out there and he's fourteen for thirty nine, how's he fourteen for thirty nine? He must have stunk. Did he? Did he get the happy feet? Did he get into the 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 Ian Book rhythm? I don't think he is because when you watch him, he'll sit back there. He got clocked a few times against Brigham Young. He will sit in that pocket and find those dudes. He's not going to run like Ian Book. He's not going to scramble as we saw him beat the 310-pound nose guard on a five-yard sprint Saturday. So he's definitely not going to be chased, getting away from those Clemson guys. But I'm, 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 I let my, you know, my personality and emotion show a little bit on the show. All I'm saying is that if it were Buckner against Clemson, he went 14-39. Oh, it's the, it's the offensive line. Oh, receivers weren't getting open. But if it's Pine, it's because Pine is no good. That's just what the narrative's going to be. And that's just how it is. Oh, we got to we got to we got to play the game. If Buckner goes out there and he's fourteen for thirty nine and he's just getting killed, he's throwing the ball fifteen yards over the head. He's missing Lindsey again, who's wide open against Marshall. Overthrows him. If those things continued, well, then yeah, I mean, obviously he doesn't get it good. But Clemson is a monster football game. That is the game, and we've already seen what they did against the top five Ohio State, who is number two. We saw what they did last year against Oklahoma State. Saw what they did against Cincinnati. These narratives against top 10 teams are are constantly there. Obviously, people could say, well, they beat Clemson. Yeah, I'm not, don't say it, Tim, right? But obviously, we know they did why they beat Clemson in 2020. So that they narrative, did. we could talk about that a thousand times. But they won. 
that's one over a long period. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was Clemson's offense that was a problem in that game. <laughs> no, no. It, so. you know, it, no, it, it definitely wasn't, but that's a great football game there. And uh and we'll roll and we'll roll from there. But yeah, you uh, you I feel like you're dancing around my point, but well, I'm dancing around it, Mike, because number one, we gotta play the game. It, but that game is gonna be interesting because Pine does he continue this 70 you know, this streak. I think he will be the next three If games. he goes against Clemson and he's completing 70% against Clemson and and the game is like an Ohio State game. I mean, just imagine if if Buckner had, you know, if Buckner completed 70% against Ohio State. That game's a completely different game. So this is going to be that same type of feel. But that seems to be what we've seen with Drew Pine is that is his game, you know, and what's – Clemson's going to lock down. They're just going to be like, hey, we're, we're going to get up in your face. You're not going to get 10 yards like you did against North Carolina. You know, they, you know, BYU tried pressing them, but Clemson's different dudes than BYU. But that is going to be a war. Well, Milton fan says I'm 100% right, which must mean I'm wrong. So I'm just kidding, <laughs> Milton fan. Just must mean. Um, okay, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, it's just like, eh, if Pine loses, it's his fault. Lost against Clemson, but then Buckner. But if he goes, okay, it was Marshall. Oh, I mean, hold on, let's go. Let's keep going back Marshall, to this. But let's keep going back to this fourteen to thirty. Fourteen thirty. Well, people want to talk about the. You know, you know, we'll get. You know, we'll get into this next part. You want to talk about here soon? What you know? What Freeman was asked, which is, but it's a completely different offense. They are doing so much different things than they did those first few. And uh, what you know, jump to that. Let's get into that one. Well, I, th- I think part of it is because of the quarterback play, you know, so I think Pine's just more consistent. Or did they, or did they see, but that see, but that's what I don't understand. So their whole, so their whole idea going through winter conditioning, spring football, summer ball together, fall camp, training camp, all those things. So their entire plan was to go double tight and just run Buckner and play action dink and dunk with buckner but run him a ton that that's an interesting thing if that if that was their plan and then that doesn't happen and then all of a sudden now it's quick game let's go from there so this whole the buckeye the buckeye narrative and blaming but i don't want to say you're blaming buckner but this but you know comparing pine first off pine didn't get to play against ohio state that's ohio state is damn good he didn't get to play. He has not played a defense that looked like those dudes. He hasn't played a D line. Like uh, Mike Goolsby said it the best the other night. The first play of Buckner's first start ever, he gets hit in the face. Pine hasn't gotten hit in the face like that. The first play he gets hit in the you face. You just said he was taking all those shots against BYU. Well, he took a couple shots, but hmm. he didn't get hit in the face on the first play of, of your first career start. And then you keep going from there. And then real quick on the Buckeye thing, this narrative of, you know, Pine, oh, you know, he's doing so much better. Yeah, he didn't play against them. And what did Marcus, what, what's some of the comments Marcus Freeman said about the Buckeyes? I was happy to punt. What, what head coach says I'm happy to punt? He was, he wanted to play conservative football, get to the fourth quarter, which they did and have an opportunity. That's what it seemed the game plan. When you're punting from your own, what were they, 38, 39 yard line and not going for it, you're playing conservative. Mm. Different. It's been a different world in three different defenses. So I wouldn't even be talking about Buckner if, if my boy Drew Pine just was, was getting disrespected. I, you know, I, I just want to be, I just want us to be fair. I just want us to keep the same energy and how we treat each quarterback. That's all. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's, um, I say that laughingly. It's, uh, that's all it's, it, it's, but it's two different. It, it's, it's this entire football team is so different. And the Marshall thing, there's no way Buckner's to blame for Marshall. I mean, Mar- I mean he, th- yeah, he's a pick six, absolutely horrid. But why is he in that stupid situation? Because the offense was struggling. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't do anything. But at the that's same time, Buckner is also. Tim, just, I'm just going to say this. We're going to move on because we're still going to be talking quarterbacks. Just keep that same energy if Notre Dame can't run the ball and the offensive line stinks against Clemson. Blame everyone else, right? That's what I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. That's all. Hold on. Marshall, hold on, hold on. Before we get to Marshall was the first time that starting five started. Don't forget, they played the Buckeyes with the backup left guard, okay? He was not supposed to start. So let's remember that. Next thing, 
Next thing, you get to Clemson, they've had an extended long period together. So if that old line goes out there and gets dominated like they did against, you know, he stands old line, the famous 2017 got mauled by Miami. If that happens again against Clemson, sure, we'll, we'll jump all over the old line and things of that nature. So is, is, is Pine going to look like Ian Book, Wimbush against Miami in 17? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Maybe you're turning me, Mike. Maybe I'm starting to become a, a mini little Pine fan in this 2022 season. I think Pine is going to be able to dink and dunk and do some of the things. I really do. Milton fan is loving. I'm not even trolling, though. I just, I love I just it. want us to be fair. That's all. All right. So, Marcus, I feel like at every Monday press conference, it can kind of be a little bit boring as I'm watching it. And then around like the 20 or 25 minute mark, I'm like, whoa. So, media members ask some just drops a bombshell question a couple yeah. weeks ago um, about transfer quarterbacks. And we got into that. And, and then this week someone asked, um, I get a paraphrase, but it was basically, are you second guessing your decision to, to start Tyler Buckner over Drew Pine? And what, what's, what else is Freeman going to say other than, you know, no, that, that was earned at the time. This was, Freeman's exact quote, I don't question that decision at all. That was earned in practice. He's starting to make, um, and then he started talking about um, uh, Pine a little bit. He's starting to make plays where he's imp improvising. The one versus BYU where he's falling down and throws to Audrey Gestime. We're like, whoa, um, that was one where we were, uh, probably thought he was going to take a sack. But, you know, just quickly, he said he did not question the decision. Um, you know, looking back at it, that, that, thoughts on this, Tim? Yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting question as I was uh you know watching that like hey you know you you bummed you started him is basically what the guy should have said you know why'd you start you know why'd you start Buckner but uh, no Freeman's answer was like he earned it that's why we just, as I as I just mentioned you go through winter conditioning you have spring ball meetings all the things you get the summer and then you start training camp and they named him with that 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 following Saturday, I think with that first major Saturday of training camp, if I remember right, kind of like what they did with Cohen last year, the same type of uh, time frame to give him some weeks to get ready for the Buckeyes. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, if, if, if Pine was going out there slinging it all over the place and having success and all that, I don't, they picked Buckner because they thought he was the best quarterback. I mean, that is plain and simple. How do you not, you're at the University of Notre Dame. How do you not play the best quarterback? So if Pine did all this stuff, which it it sure doesn't sound like it, it he you know he was completing seventy two percent of his passes each and every single day. So uh, in practice, he is you know Freeman doesn't like the word gamer. The dude has played amazing in the games. You know Freeman talked about that the other day. But uh, no, it's an interesting comment or an interesting question. Excuse me, Freeman answered it perfectly, and he he earned it. Plus, he got hurt. You know, he got hurt because, it, as we know, in the Marshall game, he had to take over that game and roll from there and kind of be that in the entire offense the second half. So, yeah, it, uh, it was an interesting question. Hindsight, which, man, it's, it's, it's tough to look at hindsight because they opened the season. What if the schedule was reversed? Next year they play Ohio State game four. What if Ohio State was game four this year? It would, I mean, it'd be a different world, I feel. Yeah. Oh, if we're putting it in our opinion, should Pine have started over Buckner? Of course, it, it, it's possible to answer, and you know, and it's it's kind of weak to do it in hindsight. But like, it's it's really difficult to answer when we're not at practices every day. I agree. You, you know, media gets a few practices, and you know, it's mostly stretching. And I think they had maybe one fully open practice during during fall camp. So it's tough. I. I but what we know about both guys is that Buckner had the high, higher ceiling as a football player. So I think you, you, you needed to go with him because if he is the guy you hope he can be, this is a national championship level caliber team. Whereas Pine just doesn't have the natural God given ceiling that Tyler Buckner has. So you're limiting yourself maybe to, you know, that, you know, the heights of, or, or you know, like like a ten and two year, you know, an yeah. Ian Book year, like in twenty nineteen, you know, eleven and two or whatever it is with a bull win against Iowa State. 
Um, DT22 says, hey, Mike, didn't you say – where's my mouse? Didn't you say Pine looked more impressive in camp? I, I went to one practice this fall when I was in South Bend, and I posted on the message board. I was like, I think I think Pine and Angeli threw better balls. Buckner, it's just like – in warm-ups, again, you don't get to see much, but it's, to me it was just like uh, Buckner just doesn't throw – with as much velocity as those two guys, you know, again, it's just, you know, practice and, and throwing to GA standing near the sideline. Um, so that, that was kind of just a, a, a message uh, board post that I had, but um, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're playing the, the risk. Re- I don't know if risk reward is the correct term with, with Buckner, but you're definitely playing the, the ceiling, which, you know, look, I, I'm a believer in Drew Pine, but I, coming in the season I felt like Buckner should be the guy to start because Drew Pine's the perfect relief pitcher so yeah. and here we are and he, he's three nose starter no and uh you know the you know when I keep talking about the offense I mean they did quick game they did some of these you know these these motions and some of the bootlegs obviously that that Pine's done some of the quick crosses they did with Buckner but that Ohio State game I mean that fr- I mean every time Ohio State ran a blitz Notre Dame didn't even know how to pick anything up. It was an absolute mess in that game. It was, it was, it was a mess. We all, we all saw it. They had their D tackle just dominate the inside lanes. Notre Dame hasn't faced a D tackles like that since, you know, those ends controlled the game. I always go back, obviously, you know, the Salerno play was the biggie, you know, the one where he got the offensive pass interference. And then all of a sudden it's, they run the jet sweep again to Tyree gets nothing. Buckner keeps it on a quarterback power right up the middle. He gets seven, eight yards. And then it's third down. They run the ball again, you know, with the quarterback draw. So we haven't seen, you know, how many quarterback draws is, is a pine run on third and 15? None. And they did that a handful of times with Buckner. How about the first time when they got down there real quick, Mike, where, you know, when Buckner gets hit in the face and they complete it to styles, he wiggles down for 50, 55 yard gain, whatever it was. They get in the red zone and they just run, run, run. Tim, you know, do you think Tommy Reese didn't know how to call a game for Buckner? <laughs> it's like he just you know what? Pine was something a little bit more familiar to him. Great. Well, that's when you look at uh, Pine, or excuse me, Cohen and Book as the number two and three, you know, completion percentage guys. That that is a great question, Mike. And that's those are things I've thought about as well. Is is it, you know, he, that I mean, Tommy Reese was those two guys at, at Notre Dame. He was the quick yeah. game dump it. He had a great tight end when Tyler Eifert, you know, who's an all American then. And, you know, he was that guy. They ran the ball a ton when he was the quarterback at Notre Dame. So something, you know, they, they, yeah. In 2011, they came out and they threw it a ton because they had Michael Floyd, Michael Floyd, first round pick top 10 draft pick had over a hundred catches. So they threw the ball more to him. They had Floyd and Eifert and TJ Jones, who was coming into his own is a, a freshman. I think TJ was that year, maybe a sophomore. I forget one of those, you know, as a young receiver. So he was coming into his own, then 12, 13, they just played smash ball. So when he's, you know, Harry Heastan came and they just started running the ball, went to the national title game. So great question, Mike. And that's something that maybe it is. And that goes back to QB recruiting where who are the quarterbacks that have recruited? They're all these quick game play action pro style top guys. The ones that have been the spread option zone read guys, Phil Jerkovic and Tyler Buckner, they haven't had, they haven't played, they haven't had any success at Notre Dame. So great question moving forward when looking about quarterbacks, you know, like there's, you know, like Notre Dame, there's scuttlebutt about what quarterback, if they get any, you know, some names have been out there where they recruit Avery Johnson. I know he's committed to K-State. That's always, people are dying to get him, but Avery Johnson's a Jerkovic, you know, Tyler Buckner quarterback. Yeah. CJ Carr is a Jimmy Clausen drop yeah. back style guy. So what is Notre Dame's quarterback future? And that's something I think even Marcus Freeman has to figure out. All right, folks, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Rogue Shop, a husband and wife outfit as Mr. Rogue and his wife, Char, are craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch, sustainable plants, medicine, a true holistic type of small business they farm everything and grow it all themselves do everything by hand and for youtube audience you see 
on the screen. A website to visit is rogueshop.com. There's products that will give you your euphoria, but there is so much more products that have been known to help with anything from stress um, to anxiety to chronic pain to insomnia. If you have a question about any product, jump on a live chat with the owners on the website and they will steer you in the right direction. Um, they did so with me when I received a box of product. Char had uh, the owner's wife had detailed handwritten instructions for me as I've never used these products before. Um, and again, they'll take care of you with any questions. Goal is holistic healing, making your life better. If you suffer from stress, insomnia, uh, if you want to reduce inflammation, anxiety, mood disorders, topicals for great. Uh, if you have pain in specific areas, great for that. Um, again, rogueshop.com. Head to the website um, and uh, use our promo, which is promo code blue and gold. Get ex Use promo code blue and gold. Head over to rogueshop.com. All right, Mr. Hyde, let's move into talking some Notre Dame Stanford. Fighting Irish, 17-point favorites, opened up at 15, wow. um, and it seems like people are, are liking Stanford plus 17, but Notre Dame should be able to win this game pretty handily. So just your thoughts early on in the week about this matchup and then um, this rivalry in general as a California guy yourself. Yeah, I've actually been to a handful of them up in uh, Northern California. So it's a beautiful campus. Stanford's awesome to go there, tailgate, and have a good time. You know, the stadium, you know, I went to the old farm back, you know, I've been to many of those games back way back when. But, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's it's an interesting rivalry. Um, it's not a rivalry until someone pulls an upset. And for those, those longtime Notre Dame fans like me that are out there, yeah, we all remember 1990. They're number one team in the country. They played horrible. You know, Tom, touchdown Tommy Vardell had the five touchdowns, famous touchdowns in that game. You know, Rick Meyer hits, you know, Derek Brown for a game-winning touchdown, and Derek Brown drops the ball in the end zone, you know, that cost him that uh, game. And obviously, they, you know, Notre Dame's won a ton of these. 1992 was a classic upset. Notre Dame's up 16-0, lose 33-16 to Bill Walsh. So Bill Walsh and Lou Holtz didn't like each other. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting rivalry in that, it's kind of lately there was a period during Willingham Weiss years where it was, you know, the home team won for like six, seven years in a row, something like that. It was interesting. And then Stanford went, you know, Notre Dame, excuse me, went on this run winning like seven out of eight years. And then Stanford with Harbaugh just turned into the ground to pound, pound the ball down your throat. And Notre Dame just could not match up physically at the end of the Weiss era. in those early Kelly years, Stanford just manhandled Notre Dame. So it started to turn, you know, lately Notre Dame went there in 2015 and 17 with a chance at major bowl game, you know, playoff in 15 and, and they lost, they lost both of those games. 15 was a heartbreaker, last second field goal. The, that was kind of the beginning of the end for the, you know, the famous defensive coordinator, Brian Van Gorder, who just, that was a horrible game. You know, Deshaun Kaiser scored too damn early with 30 seconds to go and gave them plenty of time. But, uh, but lately Notre Dame has just dominated, but I think three games in a row, you know, where they've scored 40 something points the last couple. So they've kind of taken this over, which shows in Stanford's record the last few years, they've really struggled lately. So, um, you know, Stanford going to be able to get it back. I hope not. <laughs> I say that as someone who wants to see that, you know, some of those old Lou Holt scores come back where you just, you knew you were going to have a tough game, but we're, we're going to blow you out eventually. But uh, yeah. a great rivalry. I think it's a thought in, in recruiting. We're going to end the show talking uh, some Notre Dame recruiting. Um, if Stanford is down, I think it's good for the Irish because some of these high academic kids, like, um, I don't know if you remember, Tim, this, I think this is before you joined us, was Jaden Slocum was a safety out of Atlanta um, who the Irish really wanted. And he's one of the sharpest kids I've ever talked to. He picked Stanford over Notre Dame because academics just so important to him. Like all, all these kids at Notre Dame's recruit, they're all great students, and you know academics. You know, if but academics is important, but usually football is a little bit more. But these kids who choose academics over football typically will go to Stanford. But if Stanford's clicking and they're a top ten team, you're losing some of those kids who are 
um, that Notre Dame's usually winning right now. Um, That's Booker. Thomas Booker, the D lineman a couple years ago. Notre Dame thought they were going to get Stanford's winning. They got him. The corner who's in the NFL with Paulson Adebo, who was a Notre Dame commit, he got a Stanford offer in like December, decommitted next day. I'm done going to Stanford. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there's been a handful, especially on the O-line. They've lost some really good, both sides of the line, excuse me, O-line and D-line to Stanford as well. Those high academic guys, like once they get that offer, Notre Dame has lost some really good football players. So you like Stan- you like Notre Dame to win this game pretty handily? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, I started looking at the stats, watched a little bit of film. I had watched some of their SC game earlier. They had some red zone turnovers, you know, they've played good football at times. They're not bad. They're bad at spots over the course of 60 minutes. But I mean, they're coming into South Bend, you know, and when your head coach, David Shaw talked about this in his press conference. I was reading some of the, I think Tyler Horka put up the article in Stanford about the David Shaw quotes. When your head coach is saying, yeah, we're reeling. We need to learn how to win a game. When he's talking like that, because, you know, people will know what they lose, but 30, 20, 20, 30 seconds left to Oregon State. The guy just makes an unbelievable catch, rips it out of Stanford's guys for a game win interception, takes it in, wins the ball game. And, and Stanford's had a, you know, a handful of those games this year, which are just tough. Here's all you need to know about Stanford. I just Googled Stanford schedule. <laughs> Academic schedule came up before football schedule. I mean, that that's kind of <laughs> typically football schedule it. pops up. Or if you're like looking up Kansas schedule, basketball will pop up. Yeah. yeah. But for Stanford, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. When your only win is Colgate. You know, now obviously, I mean, they go, I mean, there's, they just go straight into the Pac 12 schedule instantly. That's brutal. That's uh, exactly, you know, but they always play SC in that early September. That's been a, been a kind of, it's been there since Harbaugh, you know, it's famous Harbaugh and Pete Carroll going at each other. They played those early games. Tim, looking at some of these scores, maybe they're not as bad as you think. USC is one of the best teams in the country. Oregon State's decent, then they lose on the road against a couple of good teams. I don't know. Maybe they're not as bad as we think. They play good foot. It's the, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, playing, you know, play football the course of 60 minutes. They're good in spots. They got a heck of a quarterback. They're courting, you know, Tanner McGee's in like every top 20 mock draft on everyone that throws it out there. Tall, athletic. He's Corona Centennial guy where Jaden Mickey's from. Um, really good football player. They got some outstanding football players. Uh, you know, one of the wide receivers I coached against, you know, uh, uh, Bryson uh, Trumaine out there, the wide receiver out of Venice High School, great football player. I had the privilege of coaching against. They got some good football players, but their injuries. I just saw today uh, a couple of their offensive linemen are out this week. You know, one of them, Walter Rouse, who was a Notre Dame guy. They tried recruiting. Their running backs out. They're starting running backs out. They got some guys out. So now you get that recruiting as you're talking. The depth. Do they have the numbers? They're ranked in the 100s on defense in a couple of categories. And after four or five games, you don't want to be in that in that realm. And they are and they're bad in some spots. But discipline, academics, they're like number one or two, three, something like that. And penalty yards. And uh, and I thought the kicker in uh, doing some of the stats is time of possession. You know, they would slam the ball down your throat for all those years with Harbaugh and Shaw. And they are really, really low in time of possession. They're not they're not controlling the ball enough over the course of a game. So I would look at it. I God man, I I really hope I really hope Notre Dame could go out there and, and cover this game. That that would be an awesome night, especially just kick Stanford in the gut after some of the games they've had this year and just keep this thing going. Um it's doable. I think Notre Dame, I mean Notre Dame hasn't been home since like a month, it feels like, right? Cal seems like ages ago. Marcus Freeman's first win. So you think a first game, you're going to talk recruiting here. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. I think those players are going to be ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it'll be a great recruiting weekend. Um, we'll have full coverage at blueandgold.com. $10 gets you access through August 31st, 2023. So start next football season. So please do head over to blueandgold.com and check out the deal. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit. CJ Carr, because that is the player who I went to see um, in action this past Friday, Tim's best thing from last week that, you know, our segment to start the show was Carr and his stats. Well, Tim, it's, it's, just like, it's just like when Tim talks about the Notre Dame defensive line, oh, man. they stink. And then he stops talking about them. Well, you know, 
Tim started talking CJ Carr, and then uh, that Celine offense put up a stinker. Um, zero points against the team they probably should have put up, you know, 30, 40 points against. Really? Um, oh, yeah. It was that you bad. Know. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they should. Uh, see, Celine should have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't because I saw the score and I saw your tweets and whatnot. They lost 7 0. Yeah. I know. I saw 7 0. I didn't know and, if that defense was like the Bears from the eighties. Okay. So that he was no, no. It was just it was just a bad night. It was just wow. a really bad night. Um, and I got a little, uh, you know, the highlight reel here, which is, uh, you know, one play. You know, they're, they're, the incompletions aren't on this. You know, I didn't include those, but um, this was it was just a lot of things like this was called just out of bounds. You know, it was like a lot of things that looked nice. Um, but you know, he's playing at home, Mike. He's got to get the home, the home refs there to count that one. There's just, it just wasn't clicking, um, for the offense. You know, he missed some throws. He had some drop passes. This was actually my, oh no, that wasn't it. But you know, that, that, that's his four star tight end. Um, there, there's a play here in a couple where, uh, you know, he moves around in the pocket real nice and delivers this ball. Um, and it's, just incomplete but um like the, you know he could have thrown a better ball there but that one was oh. dropped this so this is the one feeling the pressure step it up in the pocket buying a little yeah. bit more time beautiful ball just a little too far you know maybe if that's Braden Lindsay no, is that uh is it but look at this rolling his right look at chucking that ball just out of oh. oh I mean it was like oh I know so game. it was he was six for twenty-five for eighty-eight yards, Tim, but it really wasn't as bad as it seemed. Like, I mean, he played a fine game, um, but um, you know, just overall, and then I got some um some some warm-up highlights. Like we played a fine game that like he he was okay. He, he was like Jason Garrett in the booth. It's just it's just fine, you know. He didn't get much help. Oh um, man. but uh yeah, yeah. This is kind of like I, n- nothing to really freak out about. He, he had a he had a bad game, and um, I I think it was honestly the best thing that could happen for him. He's never lost in that stadium. Wow. Celine hasn't lost in that stadium in a long time. I think this is only second year starting. Celine hasn't lost in there in like fifty conference games or something. Wow. Um, so this was a good, I think, a good learning experience for him. You'd rather him, you know, have this kind of loss and, and know how to rebound from it as a junior in high school, rather than, you know, to be that leader in the face of the program, learn from it now, rather than, um, you know, well, when, when you're at Notre Dame, but I don't know, Tim, just thoughts on, on yeah. this. And, and then what do you see in these clips? Cause I mean, well, Tim, he's, he's great. He's got all the tools, man. I yeah. mean, he's, he's got it. Well, no, exactly. That's what I was going to say. You, I mean, he struggles, they get shut out. It's not like he threw five picks. He fumbles on a sack. No turnovers. No, I mean, those passes are like on the money. They're just an inch out of bounds. And, you know, and that happens sometimes, right? I mean, those, it's not like they're wobbling and the guy's catching, you know, ducks in the air. No, those are some beautiful passes. They're just an inch too short on the sideline, so to speak. So, and that, and that happens, you know, you get the ball quicker, wide receiver play, all those things. There's nothing wrong with his mechanics, his accuracy, his delivery. Looks really sharp Perfect. on those uh, on those passes you just showed, and uh, no, he looks good. I'm excited for him, you know, to get the South Bend and sling it all over the place down the road for uh, Coach Freeman in, in his program. Hey, real quick, um, the tight end—he's a good football player. Yeah, Dylan Mesman. Yeah, I like him a lot. Is that the real? Love... That's the real tall guy they got, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, he's number five, I think. Yeah, I, I would love if Notre Dame took him as their second tight end in the class. I think he'd compliment Jack Larson well, but Notre he's Dame's kind of. They can do what they want, really, at tight yeah. end, you know. So, no, um, I hear you. I liked, I, I I liked his film. Yeah. So, I don't think I did a great job in my analysis there, um, as I as I did in our video with Darren Pritchett earlier this week. Uh, you know, it, it was just it wasn't a good night, and it's it's going to be okay. I mean, he's. I don't think he could have done anything to change my opinion. He could have thrown for eight thousand yards and eighteen touchdowns in one game. Be like, okay, that was awesome. No, but exactly. It's, find it, it, he, it's it's about his tools, how smart he is. Yeah. You know, can does he know how to lead a team? You know, those things aren't changing because of a no. high school game is junior year. So, no. 
No. Yeah. Did they have a run game or is it just on him? So to speak? I mean, it's uh, yeah, he could throw. I mean, just those passes. It's like he's right on the well, the damn line. And they were there. yeah, they were playing a, a a team, a triple option ball control team that just wanted oh, to gotcha. keep Celine off the field. So you know they go three and out. And then they're not getting oh. the ball back for eight minutes. Eight minutes especially clock. high school so football. Yeah. That clock is no, running. Yeah, they got no opportunity to really get in any rhythm. Yeah, no, they couldn't really run the ball. Like that last clip of Carr, I was like, you know, their biggest run of the game almost. There was one in ball that Carr threw in the fourth quarter that I didn't get on film. It was a beautiful ball downfield. I didn't know they had the ball. They turned the team over on downs. I didn't even realize it. Stupid ass Mike Singer forgot to film uh, it. Um, but uh, so yeah, no, Car looks hey, that film he looks nice. I mean, he's got he's got like you're saying, he's got the tools. You just watching him warm up, you're seeing all that. You, I mean, even his footwork getting some of the pressure moving around. He he didn't even, I mean, it's a game he's struggling at seven nothing. You could just tell in those clips, he's not pressing, he's not freaking out, he's not stressing, just trying to make something happen. And uh, no, he looks good. He's he's a damn cool. good football player. Tim, I hope that's the last time I ever have to talk about that. Hey, um, we don't talk D line, Mike, and we won't. I guess we won't uh, talk not. about CJ Carr down the road here. We'll wait for his season to end so he could get a state championship for Celine High. Well, I think you just jinxed it, Tim. I did, I did exactly, especially the D line. But hey, you know what? We haven't talked D line, and then they go out no. and uh, dominate. No. Hey, no. but I'm just saying we haven't. We're not talking about it. We're saying how they ended the BYU. So. Uh, I'm not even going to say kudos to the D-line. They're they're playing horrible. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week's um, show. Please do hit the thumbs up on this YouTube video. Subscribe to our channel for more content. If you listen back uh, via podcast, appreciate you as well. If you're, you're watching back via YouTube, um, subscribe, like, rate, review, all those good things. And please do head to blueandgold.com. Catch all of our coverage. Friday, noon Eastern, Tim Hyde. We'll give his three keys to the game and his final score prediction. So please do check that out on the website. Appreciate everyone for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time.